Hello everybody, welcome back to Straight Outta Cloin 2.0 with me, your host, of course, Joseph Dylan Turl. Admittedly, recording at a time where I didn't think I'd be recording, I thought I'd be on my way into Middleton to train in some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu right now. Uh, yeah, the car broke down. Lovely stuff. Lovely, lo- A lovely thing to happen on a Thursday, am I right? So yeah, unfortunately that will not be happening, but look, it is what it is. Uh, I was back there last Saturday, felt bloody amazing not being there in six weeks, and now I've got to wait again until next Tuesday to go back so you know what a great way to kick off Uh, I was going to say the weekend but Thursday isn't the weekend anyways you get what I mean but uh, technically by the time you're listening to this it is the weekend it's Friday hope everyone uh, is looking forward to the weekend hope you've all got some exciting plans for the weekend and if not well then I hope you enjoy uh, your night in on a Saturday which sometimes that can be the nicest thing to do on a Saturday as well just stay in get some takeaway get a few snacks watch something on the telly uh, put on some Netflix or you know whatever it is not that I watch Netflix. I actually, I don't think I've ever had a Netflix subscription. Actually, no, sorry, that's a lie. I did during COVID because I wanted to watch the uh, Foxcatcher documentary, but that was like the only time. Um, but yeah, whatever it is you're getting up to this weekend, I hope you enjoy it. Taking a little bit of a different approach on this week's show, I've actually taken some notes. Instead of just ranting and raving or maybe having a specific topic that I want to talk about uh, you know, and just rant and rave about that topic. I've actually put down a few things that are quite topical, uh, some of them quite personal, and said, you know what, let's just talk about them and see how we get on. And it's the first time as well I've actually stuck to the Mon- Monday-Friday schedule, which is great, similar to the Believe You Me podcast. And speaking of which, I was on the Believe You Me podcast this week. Yes, I made a little cameo appearance on Bisping and Anthony Smith's show. Of course, Anthony Smith, unfortunately, not available this week, which is funny. Because that's the second time I've sent in a question that they've answered. And both times are when Anthony Smith was not available on the show. Apparently he was having some Wi-Fi issues. And listen, he's in training camp at the moment for his upcoming fight. So, understandable. But uh, hopefully next time I can send in a question, Anthony Smith can be available. I was always a fan of his. But I think since he's uh, become the uh, co-host of the Believe You Me podcast, it's just raised that fandom up even more. But um, if you didn't hear it, here is uh, a little clip of my question that I asked. And uh, here was Bisping's uh, initial response. Georgie Porgy, and we're going to do it. Anyway, there you go. Uh, first question, Brian. What do we have? All right, so first question is uh, from Dylan from Cork. Oh, hell yeah. Hello, Michael. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Brian. Hello, Harrington. Hope all you lads are doing well. My name is Dylan from Cork, and I have a question surrounding the future of International Fight Week. Last week was just absolutely sensational. You know, from the prelims to the main event, everything was just, you just couldn't take your eyes off of it. And, like, seeing the amount of international fans coming over to see their fighters compete on, you know, the biggest card of the year, essentially, was just, it never fails to amaze me how much the sport has grown since I would have first started watching it, you know, in the early 2000s to what it is now in the 2020s. And, you know, a lot of people this year, I even heard you say it, Mike, you know, they compared International Fight Week to what WrestleMania is to pro wrestling. And, you know, WrestleMania was an event that would have started in arenas such as Madison Square Garden, the All-State Arena in Chicago, like so on and so forth. And now it's, you know, exclusively done in big stadiums. And it just got me thinking, like, do you think in the next few years we could see the UFC maybe try and put International Fight Week in the Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas? You know, with the way the sport is growing and the amount of international fighters that are becoming huge stars, I think more and more people are going to want to see 
them compete on the biggest stage in person. You know, I was looking at the capacity of the Allegiant Stadium, 65,000, and I'm sure they could expand that even more for the UFC just with the way the show will be structured. I think it could be an interesting way of you know trying to see how a stadium show would work for MMA. Like, as I say, we see it with WrestleMania, we see boxing do it all the time. And I just think for the UFC, I know they've done it in Australia and stuff, but for a North American stadium show, I think it could be a great way to try it out. Let me know what you think. Absolutely love the show, guys. Keep up the great work. Talk to you all later. Ah, thank you very much. That was a great question. Well delivered, well thought out. Clearly an intelligent man. Uh Clearly an intelligent man. Those words will live with me forever. Michael Bisping, my all-time favourite MMA fighter, saying that I'm clearly an intelligent man. But uh, yeah, no, it was pretty cool getting that little cameo. I Believe You Me is by far my favourite podcast. It just is. Like, it's such a great listen all the time. Like, it's obviously a shame that Anthony couldn't be on this week. But even when it's Bisping and Harrington, um, it's, it's always a great time. Because it's funny, like, I'm not sure if some people know this, but uh, there was a comedian called Luis J. Gomez. He used to be the co-host. And that's like when I first started listening to the podcast back in 2021. It was uh, Bisping and, and Luis J. Gomez. And I think there was one or two occasions where Lewis wasn't on the show. And I'd be kind of there like, man, like it kind of feels weird without having Lewis J. Gomez on here. Like it's it's kind of strange. And then uh, he ended up leaving. And I thought like, oh man, this show, it's not going to be the same again. I didn't listen to it for a couple of months whilst uh, Lewis J. Gomez wasn't on the pod. Uh, and then I, I tuned in at one stage. It was just Bisping and Harrington. It was one of the best episodes I'd listened to in a long time. And then obviously Anthony Smith eventually came on the show. And uh, to be honest with you, I think it's been even better since with all due respect to Luis J. Gomez but uh, I think I've spoke about this before but something else has happened and listen you know you have to expect this sometimes when you're in the 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 public spotlight uh, as often as I am but no in all seriousness all sometimes when you get into the limelight a little bit you're gonna have a couple of people who uh, don't take very well to this and there was a few troll comments specifically aimed towards me after my appearance on Believe You Me. So, obviously, you know, I gave a little clip there of my question and Bisping's initial response. Please do go listen to the full podcast episode because it's very, very good. And, um, you know, Bisping and and, um, and uh, Harrington give a very interesting answer to the uh, question. Harrington uh, embraces his cork roots. But there was one guy in the live chat because when they premiered it, they obviously the live chat was, um, you know, commenting on what was being asked. Now, most of the live chat was actually digging the question, and they were kind of answering it themselves and giving their thoughts on it. One guy did say, is that Conor McGregor in disguise? And I'm like, yeah, very, very original. You hear someone with an Irish accent, even though I'm from a completely different part of Ireland than Conor McGregor is, and you say, oh, that's Conor. Listen, I, we, listen, I probably do that for other countries, so I can't say much. But anyways, um, I think I can, like, you know, for example, if I heard someone from... Manchester speak. I, I can tell the difference between someone from, from there and someone from London. But anyways, I digress. But I saw that. And then someone said, this man is talking way too much. Bro, get a friend. And I'm like, I don't know if, if, if this is breaking news for you, pal. But people tend to talk for a long period of time on a podcast. Like, the thing is two and a half, or excuse me, an hour and a half long. And my question was just over a minute and a half. So like, Chill the fuck out, bruh. <laughs> like, it's not like I wasted your whole life. And uh, Bisping seemed to dig the question, so get the fuck over yourself. But then I was looking through the, the, the main comments of the video, and all of them are grand. One, one or two kind of made reference to the question. And then one guy got up this comment, and it was just, I've gone like back and forth in my mind of how I should like respond to this um, as the day has gone on. But let me, uh, let me bring it up, right? So, 
The exact quote was, Hell is being coked up at 7am with that fella from Cork who asked a question yapping at you in some stranger's kitchen. And someone responded, right, but they spelled right with two T's, so clearly English is not something that they're very good at. And that person who said, who's, who said right is from Canada, so you can't say that English isn't his first language, even if you're from Quebec. Like, I know a good few people in Quebec. People in Quebec have a decent level of English, and they know how to spell the word right. Ironically, you spelled the word right wrong. But anyways, to this guy who said, hell is being coked up at 7am with that fella from Cork who asked a question yapping at you in some stranger's kitchen. Well, I have so many questions about this, right? And when I first saw it, it won't lie, it kind of pissed me off a bit. Because then I, when I clicked on the account, it showed like other comments he'd left on the Believe You Me podcast. And he's a complete fanboy, like myself. Like, we share a common interest. Uh, you were both MMA fans, and we both love the Believe You Me podcast, which, in my opinion, is the best MMA podcast out there. I love uh, Ariel Hawani's um, MMA Hour. I think that's brilliant. But I think in terms of, like, a show that you can just listen to and have a laugh, Believe You Me is second to none. And I see a comment like that, and I'm like, dude, like, first of all, that's an oddly specific situation that you've put me in. We're in a stranger's kitchen, apparently, at 7 a.m., where you're coked up. So that means either you've been taking cocaine all the way up to 7am, or you woke up at 7am to take some cocaine. Either way, that's a bit of a problem. And apparently, me talking to you is going to be an issue. Like, fella, if you're taking cocaine at all, but specifically at 7 in the morning, I think I'm the least of your bloody worries. Secondly, Michael Bisping loved the question. Most of the chat loved the question. Like, what's your problem? Like, it was a good question. And I don't care, I'm going to back myself up there. It was a fucking good question. I put some... I, like, I did some research as well with that question about the Allegiant Stadium. You know, WrestleMania, obviously, uh, as I say, is, you know, what people compare International Fight Week to. They say that WrestleMania... Excuse me, International Fight Week is to the UFC what WrestleMania is to pro wrestling. Like, it was a good question. I don't care what anyone says. I'm proud of that question. And clearly Bisping and Harrington liked it as well. And that's the main thing. But this comment royally fucked me off and I was there for ages going I need to think of a clever response to this but then I had to take a a step back right I had to take a step back and I had to realize okay this is a man who has just bragged about taking cocaine at seven in the morning is this really someone I need to be getting into a discussion with is this going to do is this going to benefit me in the long run and also whose words mean more to me Michael Bisping giving me a compliment and Harrington giving me a compliment or What was this guy's username again? Let me check. Uh, It was... Why is it not loading? It was... Hunkleton Dunkleton. I'm not making that up either. That's interesting. But, uh, yeah, Hunkleton Dunkleton, who has been on YouTube for 13 years with one subscriber, no videos uploaded, is a bit of a kiss-ass to people who he feels like are above him. Should I really be taking him seriously? Probably not. Probably not. And it's funny because, like, even on TikTok, where I was able to develop a bit of a decent following, like, some people have this uh, false uh, idea that I have the comments turned off. They're not turned off. They're limited. There's a difference. The difference between turning comments off and limiting comments is if comments are turned off, that's it. Nobody can comment, not even me. But I have my comments uh, limited to that people I follow who follow me back can comment. Because the thing is, lads... I've got a bit of an addictive personality. And when it comes to, you know, people leaving nasty comments and stuff, I find it very easy to get sucked into that. 
And it was funny because Anthony Smith on the Believe You Me podcast, like he made a great point. He was like, you could get like 5,000 nice comments, right? But the one you'll remember is the negative one. You can get 5,000 positive comments, one negative comment, and it's the negative comments that'll stick with you the most. And I thought about that last night. Like, I was I was looking at a fuming going, motherfucker, go fuck yourself. And to that other guy from Canada, you're a disgrace to the great people of the great white north. But then I see these two guys, like, like licking Michael Bisping's hole. You know? And I love Michael Bisping. But, like, you know, it's it, it reminded me of something Muhammad Ali said. I can't remember, like, what the exact quote was. But it was something along the lines of, you know, I worry about people who treat the waiter differently to how they treat me. You know? And I'm not saying me I'm saying that's Muhammad Ali you know he was saying that like if people treat him differently to the waiter like that's not someone he wants to associate with he was like treat everyone with respect and like some of the questions you hear on Believe You Me I used to get quite mad at Brian because I've sent in so many questions only two have been answered and I tried to keep some of them short because I know Bisping said he doesn't want ones that go on for too long but I was sending out ones that were maybe 30, 40 seconds long, and they just weren't getting answered. They weren't even getting attention. So I was like, okay, maybe if I draw this one out a little bit more, but do it in a controlled way where I'm actually talking sense, and I'm actually explaining my point, then maybe it'll get answered. Clearly, they agreed, and that's the, that's how it went. But it just, I don't know, it just kind of gets to me when like people feel the need to have to... It's like... It was such a great podcast, great interview with Jan, great interview with Paul Nickel, a lot of laughs between Bisping and Harrington and Brian. And there was two questions. I asked one, a guy from Scotland asked one, and I've rattled you that much. Like the first guy who was getting angry about it saying, bro, you need a friend. I was like, from the sounds of it, lad, you're the one who needs a friend. Like there was no way someone who is happy in their life is getting this rattled by a question. And people say you kept talking. Yeah, because I have to explain the question, explain the background to it. That's what people do. That's what a good question is. That is what people do when they want to explain their point properly. Like, I didn't finish the journalism course that I did, but I did learn that you got to start and finish a point, and in the middle of it, you got to explain it. So, listen, whatever. It's just one of those things. It kind of just, it's one of those reminders that, like, it's very easy to get drawn into these like negative conversations, but is it really worth it? And thankfully I decided I, I did respond and I went, no, no I'm going to delete this because this is just going to start the whole fucking argument. One person responded to this comment. It's not like, you know, everyone agreed. Like the, the majority of people dug the question. Bisping and Harrington had a fucking ball of a time answering the question. You could tell they got really into it and they, you know, obviously as you can tell by Bisping's response, I, you can tell I got a little bit rattled and I did. I won't lie. You know, I'm going to be fully aware, I'm fully aware of myself there. But it just annoys me when, like, you know, when you put so much work into something and someone has to, like, drag you back a bit. And it's like, Anthony Smith said it. It's like, when someone leaves a comment and it's a bit nastier, they're like, motherfucker. Motherfucker. Like, you know, you don't, you don't, you try not to let it get to you, but it just does. But anyways, Honkleton, Donkleton, whatever your stupid name is, go fuck yourself. Uh, one subscriber in 13 years. Wow, what an achievement. But anyways, not that I'm bragging about subscribers or anything, but you know, I've got 109 more than you have, lad. But anyways, whatever, moving on. Uh, no, but seriously, though, uh, really glad that uh, I got to have that interaction with Bisping and uh, and the lads on Believe You Me. Michael Bisping, someone I'm lucky enough to have had a few interactions with. Great guy. But then that was another thing. When I was looking through the comments, like... Bisping was getting a lot of shit thrown at him. I've seen Anthony Smith get a lot of shit thrown at him. Harrington. Uh, Brian, not so much. I think everyone seems to love Brian. But um, 
then I was like, yeah, look, these guys get it on like a weekly basis when it comes to their podcast. So, you know, I can't complain too much. But anyways, whatever. Moving on. Moving on to the next topic, which is the ultimate fighter. The ultimate fighter. It was funny because on the Believe You Me podcast, the next uh, question after mine was a question about the Ultimate Fighter. And uh, the question was, like, what was the best prank that was ever pulled on the Ultimate Fighter when Bisping was on there? And it's funny because, like, the Ultimate Fighter back in, like, Spike TV days and the Ultimate Fighter now on ESPN and, you know, UFC Fight Pass, they are very, very different. It's, like, actually crazy, like, to... To see how different they are. Like I, I love going back onto that guy. I think Lerone is his name on YouTube. He like uploads all the like uh, highlights of like your know, big UFC fights. Like the lead up to them. Uh, and all the the kind of uh, the aftermath as well. And the kind of highlights from the fight itself. He, he shows uh, highlights of uh, Ultimate Fighter seasons. And it's mad when like you go back and watch them. And then you see what the Ultimate Fighter is now. And it's, it's very very different. Now. I think it's actually been relatively entertaining this year, The Ultimate Fighter. I think it's actually been pretty good. Like, Connor very nearly losing every single fight of the eight uh, quarterfinal fights, only for him to win the last fight and celebrate like he's just won his third UFC title. But anyways, whatever. But I actually have found it relatively entertaining. It's definitely not what it used to be. But with that said, like, when they brought it back in 2021 with Ortega Volkanovski, I absolutely loved that season. I think, to be fair, it was because it was probably the first season I actually watched from start to finish. Because back in the day when The Ultimate Fighter was on, I'd see episodes here and there, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to watch it, like, religiously. So I think because it was the first time that I got to watch it from start to finish, and also it, it culminated with one of my favourite fights of all time in Ortega and Volkanovski at UFC 266, I think that, like, gives it a special place in my heart. But, um, yeah, it, it is crazy, like, how it went from, you know a kind of balls-to-the-walls reality show with people like Kimbo Slice on it and, like, you know, all these interesting, like, challenges that, you know, that they'd have to do to what it is now where it's essentially just kind of, you know, it's essentially just a, a, a sport. It's, you know, you get to see, like, the full fights. I think before they used to just show the highlights of the fights. You see full fights, you get, like, these mini, like, you know, build-ups to these fights um, on a reality show and you get the odd bit of drama here and there. You know, it's kind of interesting to see how it's evolved and it's definitely more like sport orientated than it is kind of, you know, sports entertainment. Like the Ultimate Fighter originally was very pro wrestling-esque and a lot of people don't know this, that the Ultimate Fighter is based off something that WWE had already done, which was uh, Tough Enough. Because I remember someone described Tough Enough as WWE's version of the Ultimate Fighter. I'm like, no, if anything, lad, the Ultimate Fighter is UFC's version of Tough Enough. Now, the difference being Tough, uh, excuse me, The Ultimate Fighter, which ironically is actually shortened to Tough, T-U-F, that was a big reason why UFC exploded in popularity in the mid-2000s. And then when it comes to WWE's Tough Enough, you know, there was a few notable people who went on to do some interesting things from Tough Enough, but like, I don't think Tough Enough had the cultural impact on pro wrestling that The Ultimate Fighter had on UFC, but WWE did it first. WWE did Tough Enough before UFC did The Ultimate Fighter. So it's funny because when MMA on Point did their video about uh, 10 similarities between WWE and UFC after the two companies merged um, after being taken over by Endeavor, that was one very big miss on their list. They didn't talk about Tough Enough. It's a very, very interesting video, actually, for people to, to go back and watch. Like A lot of people don't realize that UFC and their business model is so heavily based off of what WWE have done. And even Dana White has struggled to admit that over the years. 
Like, I think he did a thing for a GQ, I think it was, where he was, like, answering questions, uh, like, the most commonly asked questions, the most Googled questions about Dana White. And he was, like, talking about, like, you know, what inspired him to run the UFC the way he's the way he's run it. And he was talking about boxing, and he was like, yeah, like, there's a little bit of inspiration from the WWE, like, yeah, but it's mostly boxing. I was like, no, dude, I would say it's the other way around. I think it's a little bit from boxing, and it's mostly wrestling. I guess the main thing they took from boxing was probably the press conferences. But the way they promote the shows and the way that, you know, things were portrayed. Very, very pro wrestling. Very pro wrestling. And I think the only reason he doesn't want to fully admit it is because he wanted to get away from the stigma that, you know, some people kind of thought the MMA was also scripted fighting. Whereas, you know, obviously, especially in Japan where it's had like, you know, Pride and Pancras have had a lot of... um, accusations of having some scripted fights and some fighters have even come out and pretty much confirmed it but Dana wanted to make sure everyone knew that the UFC was as real as it could get and it's funny because I went to school with this guy called Aaron and I remember this I think I might have spoke about this on here before this was back in uh, late 2011 and we were in a woodwork class and me and Aaron used to sit next to each other he was someone I knew from primary school but this is when we were in a second year of a secondary school and we were in woodwork and uh, I can't remember what we were making but uh, the instruction we were given was we had to put a logo onto the thing we were making. I think it was like, um, I don't know, was it like a little car or something that we had to make? And we were told, like, well, like, put a logo on it. And I was like, fuck it, let's put the UFC logo on it. Because back then, I was literally the only person in my year who not only was a UFC fan, I think I was the only one who even knew what MMA was. I remember saying to Aaron, like, he said he was going to put a football crest on it. And I was like, yeah, I feel like everyone's going to do that. Because I did think about like putting the United crest on it or maybe like the, the Champions League badge, whatever it might have been. But I was like, no, like I think I'm going to put the UFC logo on it. Um, main reason I didn't put WWE's logo on it is because, honestly, it looked it was too hard for me to do. <laughs> I, like, I didn't have the artistic prowess to do the Scratch logo, which would have been there at the time. So I was torn up between the UFC and I was going to do uh, Ring of Honor as well. And I was like, fuck it, let's do the UFC because why not? Let's just make it a bit different, like completely different. And I remember Aaron saying to me, what's that? Like, what's UFC? I was like, oh, it's uh, cage fighting. Like, it's mixed martial arts. And I told him, I was like, oh, because Aaron used to be a wrestling fan back in the day. I was like, you remember Brock Lesnar? He's like, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's what Brock Lesnar does now. It was actually a couple of months before his uh, last fight against Alistair Overeem. Obviously, before he came back in 2016 to fight Mark Hunt. Uh, I have to say that name separately, actually. Mark Hunt. But, um... Uh, what was the... Oh, yeah. The point I was going to make was I said that... Uh, yeah, I told him Brock Lesnar was doing it and he said to me, also, it's all fake. I said, no. UFC is, is real. It's as bloody real as it gets. <laughs> it's not fake. And he was like, yeah, but you said Brock Lesnar does it like and he was a wrestler, so like it must be fake. I was like, no, Aaron. Like, Brock Lesnar didn't actually start as a pro wrestler. He actually started as an NCAA champion. Well, he didn't start as an NCAA champion. You know, he started, obviously, in high school and worked his way up to the NCAA championship. You know, like he's an NCAA champion in 2000, runner-up in 99. Yeah, he's a legit, he's got a legit amateur background, you know. And mixed martial arts is definitely not, it's not the same as pro wrestling in terms of uh, scripted fights. It is very much a real contest. And he just didn't believe me. He just kept arguing it. And I just said to him, when you go home, literally just put UFC into YouTube. And you'll see that it's not fake. And he used to tease me then for being a UFC fan. He, he was, like, trying to claim that I was, like, trying to pull the wool over his eyes. He was claiming I was trying to pull the wool over his eyes and that I was trying to convince him that this wrestling promotion put on real fights 
when no like UFC is not a wrestling promotion it's mixed martial arts and then fast forward three or four years later Aaron is there fucking bragging about Con- or not bragging but you know clamoring over Conor McGregor saying oh what a legend he is he's oh he took the belt off your man there and he's talking shit and I was like and I remind him it's like do you remember a few years ago when I told you what UFC was and you mocked me over it and you you were claiming that uh, it was fake and now all of a sudden Conor McGregor's here and all of a sudden you love it that was such a weird time as an MMA fan when all the fucking gal lads around here were into UFC. It really, really annoyed me. It really I've been talked about it so many times, and I feel like if I get into it now, it'll be too much. So whatever. Whatever. But like it's just kind of interesting to think about like how UFC went from being this thing that like if you were a UFC fan, you were part of a very hardcore group. And it was kind of like it was almost a niche interest to have. And then all of a sudden Conor McGregor came around and the sport just absolutely exploded here for better and for worse. I think that it, for better because I think martial arts gyms around the nation just absolutely grew in popularity. And, you know, not just SBG, but you think of even like where I train now in T45 Jiu-Jitsu, like that was very popular. Like at the time that Conor McGregor uh, came into like, you know, the mainstream, I was training in Muay Thai kickboxing. And I remember me and Adam, my cousin, who was training with me as well, we went into the gym uh I think the, on the Tuesday after Conor McGregor fought, or maybe the Monday, uh, the fight he had in Dublin, and the gym was packed. Because I think that fight was actually shown live on either RTE or TV3, one of the two. And obviously people saw that and thought, fuck it, let's, I want to give this a go. And I would say 97% of the people didn't come back, which was uh, quite interesting and quite telling as well, I think. But yeah, it was kind of uh, kind of funny how that worked out. But yeah, like the UFC, like it's something that, you know, nowadays I think that you're the, when the Conor McGregor boom happened, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people stayed and I'm, I'm delighted that they stayed fans of the sport and they started to like other fighters as well. But then I think you got a lot of people who thought they were big fans of the sport, acted like big fans of the sport, when in reality they were Conor McGregor fans and didn't really have an idea about what was going on. But anyways, I digress. Maybe it was Hunkleton Donkleton. Hopefully he was one of them, because then I could mock him over that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, UFC rant over. I feel like I've had that rant a few times on here, but whatever, it's my show. I can talk about what I want, Um, you know, unless I'm in a kitchen with you at seven o'clock in the morning where you're coked off your head. And for some reason, I would be in a random stranger's house talking to you about mixed martial arts, and apparently this would be hell for you. But anyways, I would, uh, I would argue that the cocaine would be a lot more of an issue for you. Uh, I have down here as well that football has returned, but I really don't know why I put that down because, like, everyone knows football is back. Funny enough, the, the Women's World Cup is on now. When I say football is back, by the way, I mean preseason friendlies. But yeah, the Women's World Cup is on. Uh, Ireland, uh, I think, had their opening game today. I'm not going to lie. I didn't see it, but I will check the result right now. Uh, obviously, at the time of uh, this podcast getting released, people will know what the uh, the score was. So Ireland Women's uh, World Cup. They lost the first game 1-0 to Australia. Unbelievable. Canada up next on Wednesday. That should be interesting. Love me a bit of Canada, except for the guy who spelled right with two T's. But anyways, no, in all seriousness. That's another thing to get like I, I want to get into as well. Is you know, Ireland is a country that has this reputation of uh being like very nice, right? And you know what? I think for the most part, we've earned that reputation. I think most people here are absolutely sound. But Canada is also another country that I absolutely adore. The dream is to move there one day. But Canada is one of these countries that people think that all Canadians are really nice. Lads, there is no country on planet Earth 
that has 100% nice people. There are arseholes everywhere. But it's just something that's quite interesting to think about. Because I remember um, when the last company I worked for, there was a girl who like got like so shocked that someone from Canada was like really rude to her. I was like, the thing is though, insert person's name here, they're not all friendly. <laughs> like, yeah, the majority of Canadians are absolutely sound. Like I, you know, I've got, obviously people know I've got very close connections to Canada, but there's a, you know, there's a lot of assholes there too. Just like in Ireland, the majority of people are lovely. The majority of people are really, really nice and you can go have a pint with them and have a great time. But then like, we all know a lot of dickheads here. Like the majority of people who listen to this podcast are from Ireland and they can vouch for me there. A lot of people are assholes, <laughs> you know? Like that guy thinks that I'd be hell in a, in a kitchen at seven o'clock in the morning when you're coked up. Dude! You should meet some of the actual fucking dickheads here and you would completely change your mind on that. But uh, anyways, it's just, yeah, it's just something kind of worth mentioning. I like I don't know how football got me onto this. I think it's, yeah, seeing the Canada playing Ireland. But um, yeah, like Ireland, Canada, I think uh, Wales, uh, I'm trying to think of where else, you know, I think Switzerland for some reason is popping into my head that people think like, oh, people are generally nice, which I'm sure they are. I feel like there's a really obvious country I'm forgetting about. There's definitely some more countries that I just can't think of right now that just have these reputations for being, like, really, really nice. And it's like, yeah, like, I'm sure for the most part, these countries are nice. But, you know, for every for every five nice people you get, there's probably two or three assholes, you know? Because, um, like, people give America shit. Like, Americans can be quite blunt. But I, the majority of Americans I speak to are quite nice. But you do come across a lot of bloody assholes as well, you know? Um... Obviously, America has, you know, some interesting political problems at times and some social problems as well. But I think generally when you speak to people from the United States of America, they tend to be pretty sound and pretty nice. What else do I have on the agenda today? I've got, yeah, Saudi Arabia, something I've wrote down here. Because, like, Saudi Arabia is just such a fascinating country as it is, you know? It really is a country that... I'm kind of conflicted about whether I'd like to visit it or not. You know what I mean? It's it's like one of these places that I'm sure would be very interesting. And I'm sure that there would be some tourist attractions there that would be really cool to visit. But like you just think about like all the things happening there right now in terms of sport in particular. Like they've signed Cristiano Ronaldo since uh, he's been playing there since January, I think it is. Yeah, January I'm sure is when he made his debut. I think it might have been December when he announced he was going there just after the uh, World Cup. But he's been there since January. So many players have followed suit since then. Karim Benzema, N'Golo Kante, Steven Gerrard has gone there as a manager. He's brought Jordan Henderson over there. Uh, Ruben Neves has gone there. Uh, Alex Tellez, I think he's just agreed to join one of the clubs over there. And there's so many, like, players who... Like, whatever about, like, Ronaldo, Benzema, you know, Kante. Like, these are players who have had... Great careers in Europe. They did it all. They won everything. They've really got nothing left to prove. Like, go over there, make that money, and, you know, fair play to you. But players like Ruben Neves, who are you know, around my age, I think he's only, like, a year older than me, in the prime of his career, where he pretty much could have, got, could have gone anywhere he wanted, and he leaves Europe to go get a huge paycheck in Saudi Arabia. Now, I did talk about this with one person who said that, ah, yeah, but, like, he can go over there for a year or two and then come back to Europe and, you know, try and come to a big club where he's set for life. And I was like, 
okay, that's a fair point, but at the same time, like, you're not exactly making pennies in the Premier League. Like, he played for Wolves, who have dropped off a little bit in recent years, but are still a decent enough team. Like, they've got some decent players. And he was, for me, probably their best player. Like, he was making a good bit of money there. Like, he wasn't exactly struggling to pay his mortgage whilst playing for Wolves. And if he'd you know, moved to United or Man City or Arsenal or Chelsea or Liverpool or wherever it might have been, or even Real Madrid, like if you wanted to go outside of England, Barcelona, so on and so forth, you're going to make a handsome living. And you're playing for these prestigious clubs. And you have the chance to compete for the biggest trophies in club football. But you're swapping it to go to Saudi Arabia, which, you know, obviously now it's probably a decent league with the amount of players they're bringing in. And obviously clearly there's a lot of money behind it. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. But like, it's the Saudi league. And I hear Ronaldo coming out saying that, oh, I think in the next, you know, two or three years, it'll be in the top five leagues in the world. And then I start thinking about Ronaldo and I'm like, two or three years, is he still going to be playing? And is he really still going to want to be playing in Saudi Arabia? Like, listen, he did it all in Europe. Like, he couldn't have done anything more, really. All-time European uh, goal scorer in the Champions League. You know, won five Champions League titles. Won three of them in a row. Um, you know, like, broke every possible record there was to break in terms of goal scoring. There wasn't a lot left for him to... There wasn't really anything left for him to do. Um, even, like, internationally, you know, won the Euros, won the Nations League. Um, you know, like, fair play to him. And I get it, like, you know, he, this league is paying him a lot of money. You know, he's going to big it up. He's He's going to have to talk about it in a positive light. I get that, but I suppose... You know, like top five leagues in the world I think the biggest statement they could make in Saudi Arabia is if they somehow manage to corrupt their way into getting into the Champions League and some people say well the Champions League is a European competition league, so they're not going to be in it you are very naive if you think that they wouldn't find a way to get Saudi clubs into the European Cup Saudi Arabia of course is not in Europe but I mean, Australia isn't either, and they fucking sang in the Eurovision. So, if you think that they can't get Saudi Arabian teams into the Champions League, you are very, very naive. And with the way football is going, I wouldn't be surprised if it ever happened. Now, of course, there's been comparisons to the Chinese Super League, which, you know, signed to players like Oscar and Carrasco and stuff in kind of the early 2010s to kind of mid-2010s. I think the only difference with that was they never got someone like Ronaldo. They never got somebody like Benzema. They didn't get a world beater. They got some very talented players to go over there. But like Igalo, who we signed on loan back in 2020, like he was one of the top players over there. You know what I mean? The top player in Saudi Arabia is Cristiano Ronaldo. But like it just, you know, I I do think that the appeal of the Saudi league will drop off eventually. I think that uh, Ronaldo, once he's gone, I don't think that league looks as appealing as it once did, you know? And obviously, like, Messi's gone over to the MLS and the people are saying, will some players follow suit with the MLS? The MLS, I'm sure, makes decent money. I don't think it makes Saudi money, though. I think Saudi money is something that, uh, like, I I heard Ben Foster talking about on his podcast. It seems to be, like, dangerously rich as a country, never mind, like, it's football league. But it is dangerously rich as a country. So, like, I think the pockets are quadruply, is that a word? They are 
they're a lot deeper than the American pockets, I'm trying to say. Um, I was going to say they're almost a quadruple, probably more uh, than the American pockets, but it's probably more than that. It's probably billions upon billions uh, more than the American uh, pockets for the MLS, especially when you consider that, like, you know, football or soccer in the United States, it's still not the main sport. Like, the MLS has obviously gotten a lot more popular in the last, you know, 20 so twenty or so years. Obviously, like, you know, Beckham going over there would have been a big reason for that. And, you know, a lot of big stars have gone over there, like, later in their career, like Messi obviously being the most recent one. Henri did it. Kaka, uh, Drogba. Like, a lot of these players kind of, you know, wrapped up their careers over there. It's, it's a decent league, like the MLS. I think the MLS is probably... It, it's a more, like, historic league than the Saudi league is. Is it a better league than the Saudi league now? Probably not, with the players that are going over there. But, you know... That's like, I'm sure people will make an argument out of that. Who's in a better league, Ronaldo or Messi? And it's like, lads, they're both playing in leagues that were not as good as the leagues they were playing in. So that's one thing that uh, we can kind of guarantee. But, or, you know, come to agree upon, I should say. But, yeah, like, and obviously then you see with boxing and stuff, like, Saudi Arabia will be hosting the super fight between Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou. I think Ariel Hawani made a great point about that. Like, he's not happy about it being in Saudi Arabia. But he said, not because there's anything wrong with Saudi Arabia. Like, it's not even anything to do with, like, a political statement. It's that, you know, these, like, that big fight should be happening in Wembley Stadium or the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London or the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, the T-Mobile Arena or the Allegiant Stadium that I mentioned earlier. Or, you know maybe Madison Square Garden or something like that like Saudi Arabia like I just think for the fans it's a bit of a disappointing place for it to be like Saudi Arabia is not one of these places you can really travel and live the western lifestyle for a few days like you have to be very very uh, very very much reserved I think obviously that was a big issue with the Qatar World Cup which is obviously you know quite similarly um, laud the way you know uh, Saudi Arabia is WWE and you obviously have a big deal with uh, Saudi Arabia and obviously there was a bit of controversy for years with Sami Zayn who is a Muslim couldn't go over there I think um, or no, sorry not because he was Muslim it was because of um, because he's a Syrian it's because of his Syrian descent my apologies uh, but then obviously the apparently the tensions between Saudi Arabia and Syria they've kind of cooled down a bit so it was okay for him to go over there and it was a beautiful moment him getting to come out in the you know the Muslim attire I'm not sure what the exact word is and he got to do some of the, the things that like a lot of Muslims want to do in terms of um the way they celebrate their religion and stuff. And that was really great. But uh, like as as great as that stuff is, like there are some events that I think like like when I was watching uh, Night of Champions, which is in Saudi Arabia, like I remember my siblings were saying that they were kind of getting bored watching it. I was like, yeah, like it's just it's the crowd that let it down. Like some of the matches I think were fine, but it was just a bit of a dull crowd. Um, you know, when you compare it to the likes of London or Montreal or. Uh, Puerto Rico, like some of the places WWE have been outside of North, uh, outside of uh, the United States this year, like it definitely it do- it doesn't compare. Uh, and even some of the United States crowds put them to shame. Um, the Saudi Arabian crowds, like I think Rob is in Georgia this week, and the the Georgia crowd was ten times better than any Saudi crowd could be. But uh, anyways, it's just kind of interesting. Like it it does make me wonder, like how far will this Saudi thing go? But there is still that part of me saying that it's going to drop off eventually. I think the appeal will eventually kind of disappear. But listen, remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Anything else on my agenda list? Of course, you know, obviously talking about countries like Saudi Arabia and Qatar and obviously it's a lot of, uh, you know, interesting conversations around the oil being in these countries. 
And then you get a lot of people who join this little uh, mini army, the Just Stop Oil Brigade. I have seen some fucking hilarious videos of these people getting... Getting what was coming to them, if I have to put it quite, you know, bluntly. So, my thing with these Just Stop Oil people, like, I don't really know what to call them. I don't think they care about the cause as much as they make out. I think these are just angry people who want to rebel against something. I just think it's something that is quite sad in a way. Like, these people clearly are very angry people. And that anger is now being thrown back at them. And I I think I heard on uh, Pierce Morgan's Uncensored show that uh, there was a bit of controversy where there was a Just Stop Oil protest. And I think, didn't it, like, delay a woman's um, funeral? Or was it, there was a a woman went to, like, uh, visit her mother, who I think was, you know, on the way out. And she actually got had to miss that, you know, she had to miss being there for her her mother. Um, it was one of the two. It was either they missed, a, they delayed a funeral or missed a funeral, or it was they had to go see their mother because they were in the, getting to the final stages of of their life, and they weren't able to be there by her side. Like it's when I hear shit like that, it really does fuck me off. And I am not someone who promotes violence, you know? I love combat sports, love watching MMA, love watching you know, big boxing fights, love pro wrestling. Even, you know, people can call it whatever they want, but, you know, I still count it as combat. Um, you know, I love that stuff, but I do not promote unnecessary violence. But I've seen some videos of these Just Stop Oil um, protesters getting what's been coming to them for a while. One of these videos was a man with a skateboard swinging and swinging with force towards these protesters. And then I saw one uh, just before I started recording of a guy who just gave one of them a fucking dig, like a decent right hook and a few kicks on the ground as well for for a bit of extra impact. And like normally I don't agree with that stuff, right? And I will never ever encourage someone to go out and do that to anybody. But at the same time, when you are getting in the way of people's lives and you are, you know, delaying people's work days and, you know, you're blocking off traffic when people are trying to get home after a long day, expect to have some angry people coming towards you. And sometimes, unfortunately, it will turn violent. But you can't say they haven't been asking for it. You just can't. But I see these people getting interviewed and they just don't seem to actually... I don't look at them and think they care a lot about this cause. I just look at them and think that these are people who are very angry, are looking for something to rebel against, and this is a way of getting it out. Like, I see that guy as well on uh, Pierce Morgan's show. I can't remember his actual name. Um, I think it's like Jason. Jason, just Bear or something like that. But he was actually debating with uh, Dylan Postal, also known as Hornswoggle, of WWE fame. And it was about, from what I saw, it was about, like, debating... um, about the use of dwarfs in getting certain roles in films and TV shows, like dwarves getting casted as little people in shows. And Dylan Postle, to be fair, said like, well, like, like these are great roles for us. Like, what do you want about? And I think the other guy was debating like, oh no, like it's, it's, it's discrimination and all that. How? How is it discrimination? That's like saying, if, you're, if you do a film about, let's say Martin Luther King and you give the role to someone who's black, that that's racist. No, it's not. 
Martin Luther King was black, a very important black figure in history. Like, of course, he's going to be played by a black actor. Just like how if you made a film about, I don't know, let's say you did a, a film about someone like, you know, John F. Kennedy, the actor would be white. That's not racist. That's not, you know, oh, it's not stopping black actors from getting that role. If JFK was white, so a white actor's going to play him. Martin Luther King is black. So a black actor's going to play him. You know, uh, in Game of Thrones, what was that guy's name? Oh my God, I can't remember the actor. Oh my God. Oh my God. I feel so stupid right now. What in the name of the God is the name of that actor who I cannot think of? Uh, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. There we go. Like, he got cast in that role and he did a fucking great job at it. Hornswoggle played a leprechaun in WWE and got a lot of leverage out of that character. Had one of the greatest pre-show matches, if not the greatest pre-show match of all time at WLC against El Torito, who is another dwarf who dressed up as a bull. They had a fucking fantastic match. Like, to take these roles away from people just because you think it's unfair that they're the only roles they're given. Like, you're actually just stopping them from getting opportunities. You know, and it's one thing that really bothers me about... Um, modern society is people getting offended on behalf of others you know what i mean like certain people like you know that guy jason i can't remember his second name but you know he he's a gay man right he is a gay man and i can completely appreciate that gay people were looked down on for such a long time and were treated very very unfairly and were viewed very unfairly in society they were put on the same fucking you know, put in the same category as paedophiles for a long time, which is just terrible. But, you know, I I get why he feels like he might need to stand up for other minority groups. However, that doesn't mean you need to create issues that aren't there. You know? Like, I saw him debating uh, Sam Smith on the Pierce Morgan thing before, and look, lads, I'm not getting into the whole non-binary thing, I'm not getting into that whole argument, but Sam Smith is just a complete idiot, I really don't like him. And yes, I will call him a him because he's not a they them. He knows he's not a they them. This is purely, it is purely attention seeking. That is purely what it is. Like, he, you know, he, I, I saw one of his performances. I saw a video about him and a video of one of his gigs in Dublin. It's just a bit disturbing. Like, listen, the type of entertainment people consume, that is up to the viewer. That is up to the, the person who is, you know, choosing the type of entertainment they enjoy. But I don't get what's so appealing about Sam Smith. I really don't. I find it very, very... Very hard to watch. And, like, he's someone who had, like, you know, had a great voice. You know, had some decent songs. There was one or two songs, like, you know, I thought were quite good. But now he's just, he's he has this whole devil persona. What was that thing? He, he, he couldn't say fisherman. He's like, I'll be a fisher them. Like, now we're having to alter words that have been in the English language for years to suit a certain agenda that people go with, a very modern thing that people go with. Like, it's just a load of crap. It really is just a load of crap. And, you know, it, it, but it goes back to what I was saying. Like, that Jason guy getting offended on behalf of Sam Smith. Like, dude, you don't know Sam Smith, and I don't think Sam Smith gives an absolute crap about who you are. But there you are sticking up for him as if he gives a shit. And, like, listen, he knows what he's doing, Sam Smith. He's trying to keep himself in the... Uh, in the headlines. Like, I'll never forget that picture of him at whatever award show that was. Where he wore, like, that big, like, balloon suit. I thought it was a meme. I thought someone had, like, photoshopped that. Nope. That was a real picture. That was a real picture 
of Sam Smith at some awards show. It might have been the Oscars. Can't remember what it was. And I'm just like, that is not a man who looks like he is mentally doing well. <laughs> to be quite honest, it just doesn't. But anyways, whatever. Um, to get back to the original point, yeah, like, I, I see it with so many people. Like, I was talking to one of my friends from college there um, a couple of weeks ago, and they were saying, like, how, you know, we both have certain uh, things that we like to make fun of that have happened to us in our private lives, let's just say, uh, in terms of, you know, one of something, something to do with one of our with you know uh, uh, one of our parents. Let's say we don't have the same parents. I'm over explaining this again. There are certain jokes we like to make about some tr- you know things that pe- might, people might consider traumatic, and you get some people to go, "Oh, I can't joke about that." Like you know th- that that makes me feel sad. And it's like, dude, if I want to mock something that happened in my life, I have every right to do that. You don't have you don't have to like it. You don't have to you know you don't have to agree with it. But like it you know. Stop being such a bloody snowflake about it. But it's just people who get offended on behalf of others. Like, I remember... There was this one story where, like, it just... This rig really put it into perspective for me. I was in a friend group about five years ago. And there was a girl in there who claimed that... We were, out, we were on a night out, right? And she went into the bathroom. And she came out of the bathroom... Like, you'd swear someone had just given her... The biggest bloody slap across the face with how she was crying. She was absolutely bawling. I thought someone was dead. And she claimed that she heard someone in the bathroom say they had a scratch on their arm. And they said that I'm going to pretend that I was self-harming so I can get sympathy from my boyfriend. Now, to be completely honest, I don't think that happened. I don't believe for one minute that that was actually said. Like, knowing that person the way I did, that was definitely a lie but let's just say for a second right let's just say that i'm wrong which you know, technically i could be let's just say for a second that i got that wrong i'm not saying listen if you want to be offended by that fine but at the end of the day if, if someone said that they're probably joking is it dark humor yes is it could it be considered in bad taste maybe but it's still a joke and like why are you getting offended over it what like what difference does it make to your life they were saying, oh, self-harm is not a laughing matter. No, like, if people are actually self-harming, then Jesus Christ, that is not a laughing matter. And I have complete sympathy for people who do self-harm. And hopefully they can, you know, get out of that because it's not a good thing to be doing. But if someone actually said that, like, I don't think she... I think... And here's the thing, right? If she was actually going to pretend she was self-harming, right? And get and want to get sympathy from her boyfriend. I don't think she'd announce it in a bathroom. Especially a girl's bathroom, which can be quite crowded. Not being sexist or anything, but you know, look at look. Go to a pub on a night out. Look at the lack of queue for the men's toilet and the very long queue of a girl's toilet. Just saying. You know, like these places tend to be a bit crowded. From what I hear, that's where women like to mingle a bit and listen, whatever you know, enjoy yourselves, um, make friends and all that good stuff. But I don't think they would have announced it like that. You know, like there are certain jokes I might hear where I go, oh, okay, like that, that is that you know hit me a little bit where it hurts. And like, I get it, but don't come out crying pretending that you're this king or queen of morality. Like, that was another guy who I used to work with who I've referenced on here before. Um, I remember talking about uh, Logan Paul and I was saying about like, yeah, like I've enjoyed his stuff in WWE. Like, in fairness to him, he's made a, you know, he's, he's, he's made a great career for himself. And I was saying, yeah, look, I've, I've got a bit of time for him, Logan Paul. I think, um, you know, I think he markets himself really well. He's, you know, broken into lots of different industries 
And like fair play to him. And I had this guy go, oh, I, I wouldn't say I like him as a human being because of the thing that happened in Japan. And I was like, lad, stop acting like that you actually give a fuck about that. Like what he did was terrible, Logan Paul. Like filming someone who had taken their own life. That is something that, you know, it's it's disgusting. It is. But stop pretending that you still care. Stop pretending that this is something that still bothers you. And it was a pure, it was a pure case of someone being like, look at what a great person I am. Like, I don't agree with that stuff. And I was like, I don't either, lad. But like, at the end of the day, how many years ago was that? Like, you know, he, he apologized for it. He took the, you know, he, he, he took his, his, uh, his cancellation from it, for lack of a better term. Like, I don't agree with cancel culture, but you know, he, he stepped out of the limelight for a bit. He lost a lot of sponsorship deals. I think he lost some friendships as well. I think he, he's gone on record to say that The Rock was someone who kind of uh, backed away from him a bit when that happened. You know, it is what it is. But, like, that's done now. You know what I mean? And, like, I, like this like, and, and this guy listens to a lot of, you know, music from bands that I know have had. Some shady shit happen with them. So, like, don't act like your farts don't smell. That's, that's what I'll say about that. And yeah, lads, I think that's where I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, this is probably the longest podcast I've recorded for a while, which is great. Um, obviously, it, you know, the first time I've gotten the Monday-Friday thing done since I said I would do it. But yeah, I am considering taking maybe a wee bit of a break from podcasting uh, for the month of August. Uh, I love this show. I do love this show. And I think that uh, it's great to see that people get involved in it and that people, um, you know, a lot of people out there do enjoy it. But I think that I've hit a little bit of a wall with it. And I think that maybe some time away might do it some good. So it's just something to kind of um, watch out for. But with that said, I would strongly encourage people who have any interest in gaming to check out my YouTube channel where I stream uh, most weeknights and pretty much every Sunday. Like that's something that um, I've really enjoyed doing lately. Even if FIFA is not your thing, I'm finishing up a FIFA career mode series Um either today the, t- the day this comes out or Sunday depending on few results but I am then going to be switching over to a lot of non-football games to kind of change it up so if that's something you'd like to check out please consider doing that and uh, even if I'm not recording here for a few weeks as I say for the month of August you'll know where to find me over there this show is not ending this show is not going away permanently I just think sometimes Sometimes it's great to step away for a bit and take a little bit of a break. An off-season, if you will. And I feel like I'll have a lot more to talk about then when I come back on here. But anyways, leave that with me. Um, You know, it's something that, uh, as I say, it's just something I'm considering at the moment. Not definite. But um, yeah, glad that I've got that out of the way now. Thank you all so much for listening this week. Going to end this with... uh, Fuck it, let's end it with a a UFC uh, promo from Michael Bisping. Because I feel like, you know... Uh, Monday it was Kane he was like the main topic of conversation in terms of you know sports entertainment slash combat sports it's Bisping uh, today so let's end it with Michael Bisping and until next time I will talk to you all later have a good one take care ladies and gentlemen after five rounds we go to the judges scorecards for a decision all three judges have scored this contest 48-47 For the winner, by unanimous decision, Michael Beckhout Bisping!
so Bisping celebrating with his family. Michael Bisping, was that not the best performance of your career, sir? I don't know. All I know is I've wanted this fight my entire life. Because of you guys, you give me the power. I'm just a guy from a very normal background and you guys have been in my corner every time. Thank you so much. My family, Rebecca, my mum and dad, everybody, this means so much to me. Uh, I don't know what to say, I'm, I'm crying. Just give me a couple of words about that third round. There was a lot of confusion, a lot of controversy. Did you manage to clear your head and what were your thoughts on what went down? Yeah, you know, anytime you get hit in the face and it does this to you, you kind of have to take a second to gather your thoughts. Um, listen, things were said between me and Anderson. I worship this guy. This guy is the greatest martial artist of all time. That's why I'm so emotional right now. This has been a lifelong quest. Anderson, I know I said things. The respect I have to you, for you, you cannot measure. You cannot measure. You inspired me. When I started, I was a young, cocky kid, saying things I regret. And the whole time I was looking at this guy thinking, wow, I want to be like that guy. Anderson, thank you. Everybody here, thank you from the bottom of my heart. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here now. Thank you all. So where does Michael Bisping go from here? Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bisping, say a few words. I know I always say it, honestly, but truly, when I first walked into Manchester at UFC 70, all you guys blew my mind. It blew my mind, and it still blows my mind now. Really, truly, thank you. Make some noise, Michael the Count Bisping! I've got to thank these guys. This guy in particular, Jason Perillo, he's been in my side. But Scott Prohaska, Darren Morris, Brady Fink, these guys have been with me forever. Paradise Sports Management, and most of all, Rebecca, Callum, Ellie and Lucas, I love you so much. Very much the family man. Let's have a few words with Anderson the Spider Silver. Obviously frustrating, the decision didn't go your way. It was a very dramatic, very emotional fight. <laughs> Gonna clean the mic for me. Thanks. It's a bloodier area, we don't mind. Talk about the decision, talk about the fight. Beautiful show of respect. You can see that you command a lot of respect throughout mixed martial arts and, and every single person, even the people that fight you, they, they look up to you so much. Where does Anderson Silva go from here? What do you need to prove now? Uh, I need to say thank you for everything. Thank you to the people in London coming to here for watching the fight. Uh, So, I'm very happy because I'm back to London for a long time and I'm coming here to see my friends. Thank you, people in London, everything. Thank you for everything. Thank you for helping me, for coming to here. And uh, uh, thank my team, Tino Guerra, Os, Messi de la Riva, Marco, Messi Doria, Feijão, Brazil. A parada é a seguinte, 
Não tem como vencer de um jeito, eles tentam tirar do outro. É isso aí. Vocês viram como que foi, né? Então, não tem nada para falar. Lutei por vocês. E é isso, gente. Obrigado pelo apoio. Minha família, estou voltando para casa, estou bem. E é isso aí. Missão cumprida, missão dada. Mas de vez em quando, é que nem no Brasil. Corrupção total. He basically said, Brazil, you know, what can you do, man? You saw the fight. I thought it went differently, and uh, mission was given. I want to thank everybody that was here, thank all my coaches, my teams, and the mission was given, and I thought the mission was completed, but I guess not. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it was a very dramatic fight. The Anderson, Anderson Silva leaving the octagon right now. Give him some respect. He's one of the greatest of all time.